We're going to get rolling here this morning. Praise the Lord. The church continues to be blessed by his, by the Lord's spirit. By the Lord's spirit. Thank you, Lord. Why don't we just wait for just a second as we all get situated and Yes, praise the Lord. I want to speak to you this morning about leaving God's Word from Mark chapter 7. Leaving God's Word, this is uh, the second part of, uh, of our discussion of the preached Word. What would we do without Jesus? We'd be in big trouble. If there's anything that we, uh, we see, it's, it's people trying to live without Christ have a hard time justifying their whole belief system. Very difficult. In fact, it's impossible. Jesus was a word man. He was a, he was a Bible guy. He was the most spirit-filled person who's, who's ever walked the, the face of the earth. And the Bible tells us that the Spirit of God anointed him for ministry, that the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove, as it were. He was, uh, he was a spirit man, but he wasn't just this uh, spirit man not attached to the Word. We have a lot of those kind of people today. Lots of spirit people. I'm a spirit person. I'm a spirit person. I'm into the things of the spirit. And, and yet there's no attachment to sound doctrine. Reading the Bible. Have you ever read the whole Bible? See, this isn't, this isn't just for... Um, this isn't just for preachers to read and to study and to, and to learn and, 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 and uh, for Christians just to pick out a, a verse here and there and stick it on the refrigerator. As a wonderful reminder, listen, I'm all for that. We have them on our refrigerator. But we're not just refrigerator Christians. The study of God's Word is key for every believer to know it, to be basing their life upon what the Scripture says. The problem was with the Pharisees wasn't that they, that they followed different things, it was they followed the wrong things. And Christians follow the law that we have in the Scripture as interpreted to us by Christ and his apostles. We have, Paul was very clear, we are not people without a law. We're word people. And we, we, are, seeing in the, we are seeing in the church more and more people who are Christian in name but aren't word people. 
And what happens is the church gets weaker and weaker and weaker. The church begins to justify and to look the other way when it, when it comes to cultural sin, sin within the church, uh, it just begins to look the other way. Listen, this is exactly what happened in Germany. You know, whole church of, uh, of people that were beginning to look the other way. Times were starting to slowly and gradually move toward all that was evil and all that was wrong and people just, I'm comfortable, I'm comfortable. I don't, I don't want to touch on that issue. I was talking to my mom this week and, and I think she said something that was absolutely right and I, I've been feeling, she said, do, do you get this, this sense, it's almost like we're, 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 and I forget exactly how she said it, but uh, gradually uh, uh, moving toward where Germany was. I said, yeah, I do feel that way. We've got, we've got all this stuff going on around us, and then we've got people saying, don't say anything. Shh. We're, we're a church of, well, listen, we're a church of love, and we're a church that just, you know, we just mind our own business, and we just kind of continue to just go on our own path. Listen, we're, we're not there yet, but there's something going on. There's something going on when all the things that are happening in our culture are happening and it's being justified. And the primary problem that we're seeing all of this, listen, the primary problem is we're, we're, we're getting away from this. And if we're not careful, we can be in la-la land about the spirit without the word. And then we can go into so-called word churches where it's tradition, 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 and it's death. It's death. And Jesus had this perfect, and he's the only one who ever had it perfect, this, this perfect balance of the, the ministry of the Spirit and, uh, and a love for the Word of God. We need to stop watching videos about the word or what people are saying about the end times or saying about this and actually read the Bible. What this preacher is saying, what that preacher is saying. And the reason we bring this up is because this is so attached to the text of what we're reading this morning. That Jesus was concerned with the Pharisees of his day that they had left the word. That was his concern. That was his rebuke to them. Here's the problem he said to them. You are leaving the word of God. Leaving it. We need to just be praying and asking the Lord in our own hearts. Lord, am I leaving your word? Am I, am I, in, am I leaving it behind? Is my life... Um, based upon, ruled by the things that are, that are in the scripture. Religious people that he's talking to. Look with me, please, at Mark chapter 7. We ended with verse 8 last week. You leave, this is where we get it, you leave the commandment of God. 
and hold to the tradition of men. Then he says um, in verse nine, he, verse nine, he tells us that they were experts at rejecting God's word. Listen, they had a, they had a wonderful, beautiful way of being able to reject the word of God for the sake of their own interpretations. In fact, in verse nine, that's ex verse nine, that's exactly what he says. And he said to them, you have a fine way. That word could be interpreted beautiful way. You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. You know what he's saying here is, you have a, you have a beautiful way. You don't, you don't just come out and say, listen, we reject the word of God and we, we replace it with our own traditions. We, we leave the word of God behind over here and we're tradition people. We're people that, uh, that believe in our own rules. No, that's, that's not what they did. They were much more suave. They were much more cunning than that. It wasn't just they came out and said, we're leaving the word of God behind. That's what we're doing. He said, you have such a... You have such a fine way. You've become experts in leaving the word of God behind. You've manipulated it to where you've come up with this whole system of your traditions and your own rules, but it's done in such a way that people begin to really think you're spiritual. In other words, there's a lot of spiritual talk that's going in, going on. I know the word of God says this, but here's my interpretation of the scripture. And the, the more the person talks, the more that they're giving their interpretation, the more they convince themselves, this is pretty good. And the more other people begin to think, wow, that is, that is something. I'll tell you what, he's got all those all those rules and he's he or she they have all those regulations and they have all those traditions they they surely must uh, be a godly person look at the frown the scowl the holy scowl on their face holy people look at that scowl that's the holiest scowl i've ever seen you ever known anyone like that that just has this marvelous way of using interpretations to always, to always get around the scripture? Well, that's interesting you say that, but a scholar I read says this. I understand that's what you have to say. I, I get that. But what I have come to based upon what I think is this. How about people that are always, always learning and never arriving at the truth? Can we just cut to the chase this morning? Perhaps there's even someone sitting here and you're just mesmerized with all the different interpretations. You're just beautifully lost in the maze of all of these different words that are floating out here about the scripture. And it's all just so confusing. 
And so all that this person can do is they're just looking at this, looking at that, and finally they just come up with their own system on ways to do things. And Jesus comes along and he says, you have a fine way. You have a fine way. You have a beautiful way. The way that you do it, in verse 10 there, the, the fine way, the way that you do it, the way that you maneuver around the word of God is incredible. You make it look spiritual. That's what he's saying, the fine way. This is exactly what, um, what Satan did. Satan knows the word of God and Later on, Jesus would tell these leaders that they were of their father, the devil. And he'd say, you have a fine way like your father who can quote the scripture but always manages to somehow get around it. And the prayer this morning here is that we would not be people who say, well, I, kn I know I shouldn't be dating this person. I know he's not a Christian, or I know she's not a Christian. But listen, I'm, I'm into missionary dating. I, listen, I've been called to win this person to the Lord. That's my call. I know what the Bible says, but... The call of God on my life is, you know, to maneuver around the word of God. Listen, you know what happens as people are maneuvering around the word of God? They're wasting time. They're wasting time. Time's ticking. Tick, 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 tick. Time's going by. A life is going by. And what we are, what we are trying to protect and covet uh, by our own rules and by our own regulations as we as we get older and uh, all of a sudden time's ticking away and all of a sudden you begin to have gray nose hairs like me <laughs> little bushes appear in your ear <laughs> Dan needs a pair of hedge trimmers for those things sorry Jacob you're gonna, gonna we're gonna need to bring out the, the big shears Listen, time is ticking. Oh, you're so wise in being able to maneuver around the word. Maneuver, maneuver, maneuver. But time's ticking. Time's being wasted. Kids are growing up. We're getting older. We don't have time for that. And pretty soon you become so smart, you outsmart yourself. And you're like the, the, the man that the one preacher said at the end of his life, all of a sudden, finally the gospel hit him. The, the truth of the gospel hit him. And he, as he sat in the, in the front of the church with his, uh, with his head in his hands, and he says, my whole life I've wasted it. Oh, I've wasted it. We've been, uh, we've been talking in the mission about regret. And the, the old lie is, as Jonathan Edwards said, Jonathan Edwards said, you know, when you're, when you're young, the enemy comes and he says, you, psst, you got all the time in the world. Christianity, it's for, 
for old people. Have fun for a while and then get back to it when, you know, when you're real old, like 29. <laughs> and then when you're old, whatever age that is, he comes and he whispers, it's too late. Powerful insight. These, these guys, these Pharisees were building a whole edifice, a whole building of their life, trying to protect their own life. And yet they lost it. Gain the whole world and lose your soul. How about, how about stopping right now, even in our hearts, and just saying, Lord, uh, Lord, I, I, I did this this morning. Before I came, I was, I was crying out to God about this service. I said, Lord, right now, I recommit my life to you. Right now. This is, this is what the word does. It gets us back on track. Lord, I'm sorry. And then grace rushes in. The grace of God. How about, how about in our hearts responding to this by saying, Lord, help us not to leave the word of God behind. The truth is we have been uh, lawbreakers. We've broken your law over and over again. Lord, we deserve, we deserve your punishment. We do. But God, we are, we are pleading to you for mercy. That's what we're coming to you for. Lord, and we know that you're a, a good God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God, we realize that getting back to the word doesn't mean getting just back to just doing more rules. It means coming back first and foremost to a heart, as you taught us here in Mark chapter 7, a heart that needs to change. And maybe, Lord, our hearts this morning need to change. Is there something in your heart this morning that needs to change? God is speaking right now to your heart, and he's saying, this is, this is how you're leaving the word of God behind. Now is, the, now is the time for mercy. Now is the time to come back and just receive the grace of God. The grace of God already is rushing in as he's prompting your heart to repent. That's the grace of God. So he tells these, um, these experts, these Pharisees, he says, you have, um, you have a fine way. Oh, how beautifully said is that? You have a fine way. Why don't we say that together? You have a fine way. Oh, yeah, that's good. that's good. Let's say that again. You have a fine way. Almost sounds a little southern, doesn't it? I was, I was almost tempted to do that, and then I thought, no, this is, this is you know, Aramaic, and you know, Jesus wasn't speaking the southern drawl. Translated into Greek, of course, written in Greek. You have a fine way. Okay, well, hopefully that'll stick then. Unfortunately, it be the wrong voice, but it'll. Now, he says, here's an example. You, you are experts. You're experts at trading in the law of God. You leave it behind. See you later, law. See you later, word of God. We're going with our own traditions. That's what he's saying. And he's saying, just in case you don't understand the point, he says here, let me give you an example about how this is, um, this is happening. And so he says here, for Moses said, here's, here's how we know Jesus is a word guy. 
For Moses said. He said it. It's written. This, is a, this isn't just Jesus, you know, just Jesus pulling words out of nowhere. He's saying, Moses said it. Where, where did Moses say it? Moses said it here in this book. That's what he's saying. Moses, Moses said it. Honor your father and mother. Hmm. Now, when we're, when we're young, the scripture is, uh, is plain, Ephesians chapter 6, 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. So when we're little, little ones, and as we're growing, listen, listen very carefully. The parent is in charge. The parent's in charge. We've lost that. We've reversed that. And so he says here um, in, uh, in Scripture, children, o obey your parents. So when children are little, I was talking about this uh, with someone actually just this week. And we were talking about how some parents, um, you know, walk around and say, look, I'm, I'm not your buddy. I'm not your friend. I'm your parent. Okay? That's how some parents look at it. I'm, I'm not your friend. I'm your parent. And there are other parents who say, look, I'm just your buddy. We just pillow talk. Every night. Listen, it can be both parent, who is a parent, and a friend. It's possible to have both. And uh, in fact, Jesus, the ultimate example, he said, um, no longer do I call you servants or slaves, but I call you what? Friends. Now, if Jesus, listen, if Jesus can be Lord of my life over me, and he can still be my friend, surely in a much distant, on a much dis distant plane, much distant level, surely a parent can be both a parent and a friend. Let me just say this as we're talking about parenting here. Josh McDowell said it this way. Rules without relationship breeds rebellion. All rules, rule, 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 rule. I've heard people say, we don't want to give them rules, you know, they'll just rebel. I'm like, have you seen the kids that have parents with no rules? You know what they're doing? Oh, they're being perfect holy angels. That's a good philosophy. No, it's rules but it's rules with relationship. It's rules with love. It's rules with uh, parents saying, I'm a sinner too. The reason you're a little sinner, sorry, it was passed down through Adam through me. I'm like the biggest sinner you know in this home. I mean, I'm sorry. The humility says that. And Jesus comes along and he says, listen, Moses said, Moses said honor, so this honor we obey them when we're little, but as we get older, we, we still honor our parents. And we treat our parents, listen, it doesn't matter how, how bad they are, how wrong they are. The scripture is so clear that even children, when they are 50 or 60 years old, yes, that relationship changes. It's no longer an obedience. You do this, yes, ma'am, you do that, yes, sir, that's exact, no. But there is an honor there. There is a respect there. And Jesus said, listen, 
this is, this is something that, um, that Moses taught you. And then he says in verse 10, and whoever reviles his father and mother, that is, uh, they curse them, uh, they treat them evilly. This isn't, this isn't just a little back talk or anything. This, this, this is someone who treats their parents with evil, malicious contempt. Jesus says here that he said, um, whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. Wow. Aren't you glad we're not under the Mosaic law anymore? I would have probably been dead. I wouldn't be here this morning. So he says this, this is what Moses said. This is, this is, in, the, this is in the word. And he gets that from two Bible passages. So let's flip to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. Genesis, Exodus. Exodus chapter 20. 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord God, your God is giving you. Now, by the way, this is uh, still a, a general uh, principle. It, it's, uh, it, it's much like a proverb in the sense that, listen, you honor your parents? Not always. There are children who still honor their parents and they, they die young. But you, you want to live a good life? You want to live a, a long life? Listen to your mom and listen to your father. Listen to their instruction. You say, well, my dad and my mom, they, they, weren't, they weren't good. What, what good did they teach you that you can still remember? Your father, your mother still living. This, this scripture is, is telling us, Jesus is telling us, the New Testament clearly teaches it to us, that we're to honor our parents, to treat them with respect and to treat them with dignity. Then he says this, this is the second verse he gets it from, Exodus 21, so just a chapter over. Verses 15 and in particular verse 17 uh, Exodus chapter 21, verse 15. Whoever strikes his father or his mother shall be put to death. Verse 17. Here's where Jesus gets it. Whoever curses, whoever curses, that is a, 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 a complete disdain, a complete disregard for his father or his mother shall be put to death. So Jesus says, listen, you're to honor your parents this is taught very clearly to us that we're to honor our parents. And by the way, uh, as, as parents get older, uh, the children might not necessarily have all of the financial means, but it's their responsibility to do their best to look after their parents and to treat them with respect as they age. And, uh, of course, kids can't uh, shoulder the entire burden necessarily all the time, but there should be a, a reverence there, a desire to help them, a, a desire to make sure that they're okay and that they're well taken care of. 
You know one of the loneliest places in the world is a nursing home? I remember I used to do nursing home ministry. And one of my favorite stories to preach was Sarah, you know, when she got pregnant, like 90 years old. And that always went over really well. Nice little joke. Imagine one of you, you know. And, um, we'd, we'd, but, you know, these are some of the saddest. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, kids or relatives wouldn't call for years. Oh, I haven't heard from so-and-so. Just put them in, and that's it. Dump them in there, and, man, I, you know, I've, I've got the good life to live. I need to get rid of mom and dad. Unless you think this is just some Old Testament teaching from the Mosaic Law, if you'd turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Paul, Paul is talking here about how, how do you take care of widows? And, and by the way, it, it ends up being the church who uh, it needs to also help elderly widows. So this is why when we have members of our church who are elderly women that are godly, that have followed Christ, it's up to the church to help take care of them. But there's a, there's a first step before that happens. And of course, we can make use of all sorts of other means, too, in getting them help. But, but look at 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 4. But if a widow has children or grandchildren... Let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to, and to make some return to their parents. For this is pleasing in the sight of God. So Paul says, listen, before the whole church gets involved, he says the instruction here on how to honor parents is that the children and the grandchildren need to be helping grandma and elderly mom. They need to be making sure she's okay, that, she is, that she's being taken care of. How, how different, how foreign is this often to the teaching that says, can't wait for, can't wait for uh, grandma to die because, you know, we're going to be getting the house or the car. No, I'm serious. You go to some, you go to some funerals and you, you, have, you have someone laid out there and, 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 and they're dead and that's the end of their life. And, and afterwards, you have, a, you have a whole family fight over how much money they're each going to get. Now, there's nothing wrong with passing down an inheritance, and all that is wonderful. But how about instead of just looking at it as, hope grandma sends me money, how about I send grandma something? How about I make sure that I'm taking care of elderly mom or elderly dad in the best way that I can? And so Jesus says, hey, this is, this is the command of the law. You know this command. Here's the word. This is what he's saying. I'm giving you an example of how you leave the word of God behind in favor of your tradition. Now notice what he says in verse 11 of chapter 7. He says this, but you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, Whatever you would have gained from me is Corbin. Now, Mark explains it here. That is given to God. So a child comes to their parent and they say, listen, I have some money that I know, or it could be food or it could be land. They have an elderly mother or elderly father. They have some money saved up, the child does. And they say, I know you're hungry. 
I, I know that you could use some money, but sadly, Mom, I've, I've dedicated all my money to God. In other words, what Jesus is saying is you have this silly rule called this, this, this Corbin, this gift, this sacrifice to the Lord, so to speak. And by the way, the child could actually dip into it and still use it himself. The law was that if they dedicated it against their parents, their parents couldn't have it. How sad is this? How sick is this? And so Jesus is saying, look, you dedicate this money to God and the Pharisees are going, oh yeah, this is coming to the temple. This hopefully in the future is going to line our pockets. That's, that's what's going on here. But you look over at your mom or your dad and they don't have much of anything. You have land that you could give them. You have food that you could help them out with. You have money that you could give them. But you say, no, no. I've dedicated all of this to the Lord. It's the Lord's money. And so your parents come and he says, here's what you've done. You've voided the law of God for the sake of your tradition. Unless you think this only applies to those people back then in our culture, it's amazing to me how moral our culture is. For a culture that doesn't want anything to do with Christianity or morals, we're very moralistic. I don't know if you've ever seen that show, What Would You Do? But in that show, it's a very moralistic show. And the show is setting up different scenarios where a person in public is stuck with a conundrum. Should they get involved with, uh, with, with what's going on here or should they just leave it alone? Very moral. Never thinking, what grounds this morality? What makes something right and makes something wrong? That's the question we need to be asking in our society. We're not asking that question. We believe in right and wrong. But the question is, what makes something right and makes something wrong? Let me give you an example. Recently, uh, there was, uh, uh, coming over the, the news, a little four-year-old girl that was found in a trash sack. They couldn't identify her. So they believed she was four years old and they had artists come in and sketch out what they believed her face would look like. Little girl, all over the news, people were horrified. A little four-year-old girl found in a trash sack. How horrible is that? Listen, you can go behind any abortion clinic. And millions of babies have been slaughtered, but we have this selective moral outrage in our society. A four-year-old, if it's eight months in the womb, it's okay. There's a problem here. And this is an exact illustration of what it means to make void the law of God when we come up with our own traditions. Well, listen, murder, not good, in the tummy. It's okay, I mean, it's okay in the tummy from zero to nine months, that's okay. But as soon as the baby comes out, we're all horrified. How dare anybody kill an innocent life? And this is so backward. 
what we saw just ruled with the, with the Supreme Court. I, I saw this, this, uh, this, this um, interviewer, this news guy, go into this place where uh, people were pro-Bible marriage, regular marriage. And the guy asked the question. He shoved this mic in this poor girl's face. She's a Christian. He goes, don't you believe in love? Now, this is, this is how our culture thinks. This is what it means to replace the law of God, to leave it behind for the traditions of men. And yet, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 defines love. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. What is your definition of love? But this is, this is what we have done over and over again. And people are going, well, yeah, I want to be loving. I want to be kind. But, oh, you mean if I have to be loving, I can't, I can't have these beliefs? I can't think like that? I don't want to be a bigot? What have we done? What did Nazi Germany do? Oh, that would never happen here. It's happening. We've been slaughtering our unborn for years. It's happening. And Jesus' word comes along and he says, listen, the problem is you need a word revival. Because without any objective truth, the word of God, listen, how do you determine right from wrong? We all know there's right from wrong. Atheists believe right and wrong. No one's disputing that. The question is, how do you know what the objective truth is? How do you determine it? How do you know it's, how do you know it's uh, okay to kill a baby at five months old, but it's not okay to kill them when they're four? How do you know that? Well, you don't know that from this. You just know that from this subjective standard that's not based upon anything. And what the Word of God does, listen, is it saves us from our own selfishness. When we don't have the word of God, we end up doing exactly things like this. We end up, by the way, that was 1 Corinthians 13, verse 6, just in case you're taking notes. We end up establishing our, our own religion. I think about all these people leaving churches, whether they're Protestant or Catholic, and, and I think to myself, what, what are they leaving to? What, are, what, what, are they going, what, what do they believe now? Verse 12, he says, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father and mother. So the Pharisee comes along and says, oh yes, you've made that vow, remember? You've dedicated the money to God. You've purposely set it aside. So even though you can still, you know, dig into it with your own hands and use it for yourself, and surely you can give it to us. Because you've made the vow, you can't give it to mom and dad. And he says this, verse 13, thus making void the word of God, the voiding is completed here, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And many such things you do. He's saying this is, this is just one example of many examples. I want to close. You don't have to turn, but I just want to close with a couple texts from Proverbs. Proverbs, and we're going to stop for today. Uh, Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 
20. If one curses his father or his mother, Proverbs 20, verse 20, if one curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in utter darkness. Proverbs chapter 30, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 17, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 17. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by vultures. Well, there's a positive note to end on. <laughs> the eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother You know, Jesus did, he, he, um, he came to save us from our, our own silly, selfish traditions that make no sense and are based upon nothing except our own whims, our own desires. That's why he's come. And he keeps coming back and saying, it's the word, it's the word, it's the word, it's the word. That's why I love that song we're about to sing, The Word of God Is. Christ died on the cross, the living Word of God. God died upon a cross and was buried and rose again to save us from everlasting selfishness. Everlasting self-centeredness. Let's stand as we uh, close in a word of prayer. If we could ask the team to 